I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Today on the podcast, the primaries are right around the corner. The primary election in Illinois is next month, June 28th. You can already apply to vote by mail, and early voting begins in less than three weeks. Here to discuss some of the key primary races this year is Heather Sharon, Chicago politics reporter for WTTW News. Hey, Heather. Hey, Sasha. Also with us is Hannah Meisel, NPR Illinois government and politics editor. Welcome back to Reset, Hannah. Thanks, Sasha. I have to tell you, I did a double take just now when you said it's next month. That is wild. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. And I want to start at the top of the ticket with the governor's race. It'll list J.B. Pritzker for the Democratic Party. But on the Republican side, there are quite a few candidates who are vying for the chance to unseat him. Heather, who are the front runners at this point? Well, this is a race where we really have limited polling, so it's hard to know exactly what's going on in this race. But I think if you just look at the number of campaign contributions, it seems to be somewhat boiling down to a two-person race between Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin and Darren Bailey, who was in the Illinois General Assembly And they are really battling to shape the future of the Illinois Republican Party. On one hand, Bailey is somebody who is hoping for the endorsement of former President Trump. He led the fight against COVID restrictions and the mask mandate. And on the other side, you have Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin, who's supported by billionaire Ken Griffin, who has refused to say whether he voted for Trump in the 2020 presidential election and is trying to chart somewhat of a different path for Republicans in Illinois. Mm -hmm. There are a number of other candidates, too, and it could be anyone's game. It's so hard to tell in a race with this many candidates. Yeah. Hannah, do you have some names you can add to that list? You know, I wouldn't count out uh, Jesse Sullivan. Jesse Sullivan is a kind of tech entrepreneur, lived in California for um, a, a while before he moved back to Illinois somewhat recently to run for the governor's race. And, um, you know, he's been up on TV and he, while he is kind of selling a similar brand of conservatism as the others, um, you know, I think his message does have a chance to come through. But again, as Heather said, we have very limited polling. Uh, We've got two months basically left. And, um, you know, I I don't think that anyone has necessarily, with the exception of Darren Bailey, who has had the advantage of being out there for the last two years, uh, opposing the governor's COVID restrictions very Mm -hmm. publicly and loudly. No one's really established who they are. They've all kind of run negative campaigns about, you know, Governor Pritzker is weak on this, Governor Pritzker is weak on that, on crime. And, um, you know, so we've got two months and we'll see. There was recent polling um, that was uh, internal polling from the Irvin campaign that was not leaked by anyone from the Irvin team, you know, shows that Irvin has gained ground in the last two months uh, in name recognition, definitely. But still, the key is uh, 38% of uh, potential GOP voters definitely still undecided at this point. And Heather, we know, of course, Irvin has the backing of Ken Griffin, who's Illinois' richest man. Is that what this primary is really going to come down to? Well, you know, it's hard to say because um, I think one of the big questions, as I sort of alluded to before, is can a candidate win this nomination, this party's nomination, without the full-throated backing 
of either President Trump or sort of saying they are a full-throated supporter of President Trump. And I don't think anybody knows the, the answer to that question, yeah. and which is why we saw Darren Bailey go to Mar-a-Lago in Florida and sort of seek to align himself very closely with the former president. And, you know, I think if Richard Irvin prevails, I think it will be sort of taken as a data point nationwide that perhaps the former president's stranglehold on the Republican Party is 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 loosening. Uh, on the other hand, you have Darren Bailey campaigning with Jeannie Ives, who came within a whisper of unseating former Governor Bruce Rauner in the last governor, yeah. Republican governor primary. And I think that she is somebody who has shown that she can get Republican voters to the polls. And this is an off-year midterm primary in June. It is a weird time because of COVID and, and the census. So the trick is really going to be being turning out as many regular voters and bringing as many new voters to the polls. And that means that we have very little data and are essentially flying a little bit blind on yeah. this one. The closer we can get to the end of these commercials, the, the, the happier I will be. <laughs> uh, let's switch gears. Secretary of State races typically don't get much attention, but this year Democratic candidates have run their campaigns for over a year now. So why did they start so early, Heather? Well, it's because Jesse White, who I like to refer to as the most beloved political uh, official, elected official in Illinois history, is retiring. And this means that it's an open seat. And, you know, Illinois is very much a blue state. And the sense is, is that whoever wins the Democratic primary is going to have a really good shot at winning the general election in November, which is why people like Alexi Janulius and city clerk Anna Valencia and Alderman David Moore have been running really hard for a long time because it is not often that an open seat comes along like this. And that's why you're seeing such fierce competition, especially between Valencia and Janulius. Yeah. Tell us, so we're clear, what city clerk Valencia is dealing with right now? What kind of baggage? Well, she is um, the city clerk of Chicago, and in that role, she really spearheaded an effort to give identification cards to Chicagoans who otherwise could not get a state ID card or a driver's license. And so that's really people who were returning from prison or were undocumented immigrants. And a lot of questions have arisen about what role her husband has played in sort of lobbying her office. Now, he is a lobbyist. And initially, Anna Valencia said, look, uh, this is much to do about nothing. I have, you know, compiled all of the proper ethics forms, all of the proper statements of financial interest. And I think I have to give a great deal of credit to Marianne Ahern over at NBC5, who kept pushing on this to show that there were significant problems with those ethics forms yeah. that had to be amended. And just recently, we've seen a number of text messages between Anna Valencia and her husband that really sort of blurred the, the line and in that she was sort of encouraging him to, you know, sort of lobby for this business, not only with the City Key program, but also with an effort in the Illinois Medical district right. near Rush Hospital on the on the west side. So there are a lot of questions about how she has run the clerk's office and whether she has sort of towed the line and what that would mean if she were elected Secretary of State. Well, Hannah, uh, Heather's brought us up to speed here on, on Valencia and Janulius, but remind us what's going on here with the third candidate, David Moore. 
How's he polling with voters? You know, David Moore is, I would say, you know, probably holding his own when it comes to the big money behind the candidate. It's definitely Janulius, uh, especially has the upper hand, uh, and so does Valencia. But Janulius has gotten, you know, a steady stream of labor endorsements for the last, I don't even know how many months. It seems like they've been running forever, kind of like uh, Heather said. Um, But also, you know, I'd like to point out that this Secretary of State, you know, Jesse White, he never did seek higher office than this. But traditionally, the Secretary of State's office has been seen as one of those jumping off points for folks who do seek higher office. And so it's a big deal. And the other reason it's a huge deal in Illinois is because the Secretary of State controls, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jobs throughout the state at, you know, the different driver's services facilities. I, I do have to wonder, you know, Janulius has his own baggage too. I mean, if we rewind back to 2010, when he was running for U.S. Senate uh, against uh, Mark Kirk mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, ultimately lost, you know, the... Republicans, you know, Mark Kirk, they really dragged up, you know, every last thing that they could on him, his family, their connection to Broadway Bank, which is a failed bank, you know, with supposed mob connections. And, um, you know, I do have to wonder if all of this mudslinging, because, you know, obviously we have not seen the last of it, all this mudslinging in the primary, if it might go on to hurt the Democrats in the general election in what's supposed to be, you know, a very strong Republican wave kind of year. Heather, what about when it comes to congressional races? Which of those stand out to you? Well, I think we're really looking at two contests. One is to replace retiring U.S. Representative Bobby Rush in the 1st District. And it would take the rest of the segment for me to list the number of (laughs) candidates who want to replace Bobby Rush in Congress. But, you know, I will name two of the big ones, but it is not sort of, you know, exclusive. We've got Alderman Pat Dowell, and, of course, we have Jonathan Jackson. And this is just a wide-open primary, although whoever wins the primary is likely to go on and win this seat, and it is, will be fiercely contested. And the other race we're watching is, is the newly created 3rd Congressional District, which was redrawn as part of the effort after the 2020 census to make sure that that district lines matched population. And this district was really designed to send another Latino to Congress from Chicago to join Jesus Chuy Garcia. And in that race, it's really come down to State Rep Celia Ramirez and Alderman Gilbert Villegas. And it's a really interesting contest in the third district because you have Villegas, who is sort of the more centrist, the more moderate part of the, the Chicago Democratic Party against Ramirez, who really has captured sort of the progressive, you know, movement. Um, she has won the endorsement of Elizabeth Warren, and she really is sort of presenting a more progressive um, option for voters in that race. So that is going to be a really fascinating outcome to see what happens there. And both races will significantly change what Illinois' congressional delegation looks like mm-hmm. um, in the coming year. Hannah, could Republicans make inroads and, and pick up seats in Springfield? Because that's definitely the message that we're hearing about the House in Washington, that the GOP can pick up seats and, and probably even flip the House. Yeah, I mean, definitely in Illinois, I think Republicans are seeing 2022 as kind of a golden opportunity, uh, an opportunity like they haven't had in very many years. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to go back to 2010, that Republican wave year. You know, if you remember, that was also the year of the Tea Party. 
but certainly Republicans in Springfield are uh, more organized than they've been maybe ever before. They're seeking to especially win back a lot of the losses that they suffered in the suburbs yeah. in uh, 2018 in that you know, blue wave that swept in, you know, Governor J.B. Pritzker and, you know, gosh, so many others, uh, you know, flipped uh, congressional seats here in Illinois um, and brought the largest uh, supermajorities of Democrats in Springfield, I think, ever. Um, but yeah, Republicans are really excited. They think that they could, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say any numbers because the numbers I hear keep changing, but I'm not sure that they could flip and win uh, either the Illinois House or Senate. I mean, yeah. but they really want to get close and they want to uh, erode that, you know, veto proof supermajority that has given Democrats kind of uh, ultimate power in Springfield. Uh, like that's solidified Democratic control of all of state government. And they would love to make inroads there. They would love to make inroads in the Illinois Supreme Court, which is not really uh, something that we talk about much, but you know, there are a lot of state government, um, you know, a ton of people feel, especially on the Republican side, but even some Democrats feel like the Democratic majority on the Illinois Supreme Court has uh, kind of held the state in a sort of stranglehold when it comes to some financial decisions. But they would love to see the court flip and get some more Republican control so they could retry uh, cases to kind of remake what Illinois, mm. you know, does with its finances, what it can and can't do, basically. Well, as we mentioned at the top, you can already apply to vote by mail and early voting opens in 17 days. People can even curbside vote this year. So briefly, Heather, uh, tell us some changes that voters might notice this year about how and where they can vote. Well, probably the biggest change is that people can now register as a permanent voter by mail. And in fact, I did that just this morning for myself because there is now an option to register with your local elections official. And if you live in the suburbs of Cook County, like I do, that's the Cook County Clerk's Office. And if you live in the city, that's the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners. And you can basically say, look, um, I, I, I'm not ever going to vote in person again. I enjoy filling out this ballot in the comfort of my own home, drinking a cup of coffee and making sure that I'm, I'm voting for people that I understand and yeah. I'm not just randomly picking people with the first the same first name as my kids or something like that. Um, so that's a big change. Um, and, you know, I think we haven't mentioned it, but probably the biggest question still remaining about what will be on that ballot is whether Chicago voters will be asked to pick between two maps to decide the ward boundaries uh, for the next yes. decade. The ward the, map. Yeah, we've got about another 20 days, give or take, um, to for older people to come to a compromise on that. And that will significantly change sort of what that ballot looks like um, if there is a compromise. If there's not a compromise, it's going to remain, it's going to be a very, very long ballot. And I hope you guys will have, yeah. you know, lots of explanations about how to navigate through that. That's it for today's Reset Podcast. For more conversations on state and city news and how it affects you, make sure this podcast is in your feed. We drop a new episode every weekday afternoon. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you for listening, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.